he was the natural replacement to come in here for Kamara, but he's playing in the championship and we've got a choice to make. Do we play... This is our choice. Do we play Callum Chambers or Leon Bailey? <laughs> Hoy, has it come to this? One loan move all of a sudden. You're asking, do you play Leon Bailey or Callum Chambers at centre midfield? This is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. That morning sky gave me a look. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. Matt Cash revealed in an interview during the week that Unai Emery brings them all in the day after every game for two-hour analysis meetings. They get together to dissect the match. If he can knock two hours out of this one, I will be, <laughs> I will be mightily impressed. And in fairness to this game, Liam, like, it didn't it didn't greet us with any false pretenses, did it? Like from the from the moment West Ham refused to push up on Villa as Emmy Martin has held the ball like we knew what we were in for with this game yeah I actually think the really frustrating thing about this wasn't wasn't the quality of the match and probably a large part of it is because like you say we were ready for it I mean it was very frustrating but the most frustrating thing is that West Ham are absolutely dreadful like <laughs> they, have, they have far too much quality to be languishing that far down the table but they are languishing and it's yeah. difficult to see why it's, it's not like they turned a corner or anything this afternoon either. I mean, they continued to be dreadful. dreadful. Like Dave, David Moyes sent out his team to do nothing. And then by the end of the first half, he realized we were playing a high line. So at halftime, he said, try to toss a few balls over the top, see what happens. And, and to be fair, quite a lot happened. <laughs> <laughs> got in regularly enough. But still, like, it didn't, didn't really muster anything terrifying. But it's not really that surprising either that he needed at least 45 minutes to figure out what to do because, as we know, David Moyes doesn't appear to be watching any football matches. Like, he, he went into a Man City game two years ago after they started playing inverted... Like, two years after they started playing inverted fullbacks and came out and warned us all to be careful. <laughs> Man City have metamorphosized into this fucking Frankenstein's monster, this spawn of Satan that he had never come across before. I mean, he might as well have come out and told us that they'd like to keep possession and try to make sure as few neutrals as possible are interested in watching their game, probably out of paranoia about how few fans they have themselves and don't want the majority to be non-City fans. Anyway, West Ham are shite. David Moyes did fuck all about it, and today we didn't punish that. Really. Yeah, well, we can keep talking about Man City fans if you want. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was a slow start, I think it's fair to say, and the pattern was set very early. For the first two minutes and 40 seconds, Villa had possession. West Ham didn't have a touch of the ball, and it was only it was only when Villa went into West Ham's half that they, they give the ball away. John McGinn gave it away, and in fairness to John McGinn, he got it back 20 seconds later, and then Villa <laughs> held it for another minute, and then, and then they tried to go into West Ham's half again and gave the ball away, and it was like, ah. Oh, you know, for, for I think for about a minute of those first few minutes, I was thinking, okay, this is going to be nice. We're going to be under control. Like you say, Moyes won't have set them up specifically for Villa. So at least we'll have most of the ball. But then I forgot, you know, it's all well and good having the ball. But when we have the ball, we like we like to keep that ball. We like to go backwards with that ball because otherwise we're losing the ball. Yeah, we all know what us having the ball means. It means Tyrone Mings, Emmy Martinez and Ezri Kanza having the ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was... um. Well, a very slow start for everybody. Villa didn't look threatening at all. And then they finally got away. They finally got forward. Somebody got a bit of space. And yeah, it was one of those ones where you could see Unai Emery excited to try and get Moreno in this position. 
and he yeah. finally did it. It was Kanza pinged it into Dougie, and then Dougie sort of lifted it over the top for Moreno. What about Dougie? We'll talk about him later, but what a man. <laughs> we lifted it over the top for Moreno, and it's, it's a lovely ball. We can talk a bit more about Moreno later, maybe maybe in the next goal, but <laughs> with this one, it really is a gorgeous ball. Like the way he's whipped it around the defender. I think the commentators were saying it was bad defending. It wasn't great defending, but the flight of the ball was really special, the way it went almost 360 around the defender. Watkins is the other side. It's a great header from Watkins as well. Yeah, I mean, I know I know what you're saying about it not being... You're talking about wanting to emphasise the cross, and you're right, but two things can happen during a goal, and it is an absolutely delicious cross, but the most worrying thing from David Moyes' perspective is that the only people in the stadium that didn't know it was coming were the West Ham back four. <laughs> who were just never, ever set up to defend the cross. And Marino gave himself plenty of time to, to play the perfect cross as well. Like Watkins changed his run once, and that was enough to make Kurt Zuma forget why he was on the football pitch in the first place. And it, it turns out the entire West Ham team are following their manager's example and not watching football because they saw little Emmy Buendia running 60 yards through the middle of the pitch and all collectively decided that He's no threat from across. Forget about him. Just let him run unopposed into the box. Like, it's absolutely dreadful defending. You know, so easy to get in behind. Again, not that surprising because as Patrice Evra would tell you, Wilfred Zaha told him, it's not that hard to sneak around behind David Moyes' back. But I don't want <laughs> I don't want to take away from just how good the cross was because you're right, it was fucking incredible. Yeah, burning cross, but then unfortunately West Ham got in. The only way they were going to get in, well, in fairness, they, they had 12 corners. They were going to get in some way with one of those corners, but <laughs> it was one of the first ones. And uh, like it, this is annoying because it all starts with Moreno just letting Bowen get past him. And, and then Moreno actually recovers and gets back in front of Bowen. And I don't know what he does. He, he misses the ball with both feet. He, he was in front of Bowen. He could have ushered the ball out he could have taken the ball away he could have passed it he, he could have just conceded the corner himself but then he needed Mings to come over and concede the corner in a way more threatening position and I, I think Kanza was a bit upset with with Moreno anyway the corner comes in Martinez does terribly from this corner like what he thinks he's being held back by Emmy Buendia he's like he, he's, he's crumbling under the pressure of his own man that's in front of him there's a West Ham player around him and he reaches gets a really terrible hand on, on the ball and like it should be a goal there and then from that rebound and, and Watkins does amazing. Like we should be talking about this game. Watkins goal, Watkins clearing the ball off the line with a reaction header. But no, like they get another chance. Well, do they? Do they get another chance? This is a soft, soft penalty. As soft as they get, right? Having said that, <laughs> I honestly don't think there's anyone I'd want less in that position than Leon Bailey. It's just <laughs> it's, it's just a lethal combination. He's brain dead. He's he's rash. He's, he's no concept of his body or the other player's body. He does have his hands. Like why does he have his hands on Paqueta? Even even at that, what's he doing? And he's panicky. Just relax. Like Paqueta of all people as well is going to collect the ball, running away from the box. Calm down. Gives like. <laughs> Like, this is the referee's fault. It's VAR's fault. It's it's all their fault. Different. Like imagine looking at the replay and nobody coming to the conclusion that they should look at it again. But again, having said that, Leon <laughs> Bailey just calm down and we don't see the penalty. Emmy Martinez needs to do a lot better. I mean, nothing happens if he does a lot better or does what he should do from there. I mean, he looks like someone's throwing a wasp nest at him, and he just 
wants to get it out of there. I mean, he, he, <laughs> he, he even gets fouled by Emmy Buendia. Like he said, he gets out-muscled by a player who I've seen throwing around the pitch more often than a fucking rugby ball. That might be because <laughs> rugby's shite and I don't watch it. But anyway, <laughs> Ollie Watkins does brilliantly to bail him out. And I'm, I'm not surprised. Um, I'm sorry, I am surprised that you didn't want to say what happens next for questions we can't answer. But we all know what Chris Kavanaugh was doing during his college years anyway, because he looks like he's had a fucking acid flashback here. What the fuck has he seen? Leon Bailey's jumped on his back and pulled his head off like fucking venom or something. And we need to be very careful here. The last time we started talking about comic book characters, we we had a bit of a mistake. But <laughs> and then after that, it looks like the fucking the VAR is is currently taking acid as well because he has no interest in this. And the only thing he looks at is whether or not Emmy Martinez has been foiled. Look at the foil. Why are you looking at the one that wasn't a foil? Look at the foil that was given to see if that was actually a fucking mistake. Unbelievable. But I also, like, sorry, you just were asking there about people holding in the box as well. Leon Bailey was doing it. Emmy Bundy was doing it. They're all at it. I think the next time Austin McPhee gets them onto the pitch, you have to say, lads, you have to defend without holding on to the other man. (laughs) What the fuck? I can't believe I have to tell you this. Yeah, it's like they're trying too hard now as well. It's 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 like John Duran. We'll come back to him, but they're 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 aware that they're shit at corners, and now you're all just grabbing someone and freaking out about it. Just 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 hold your shape. Go after the ball if it comes into your area. Get get to your man ahead of the ball. Emmy Martin is. If you can step out and catch it, do that. You're good at that. We've seen you do it before. Like just everybody, everybody, calm down. Everybody relax. Especially you, Leon Bailey. Sorry, but especially him. And yeah, I was I was trying to remember. You distracted me there with the comic book character. I remembered it was Douglas Louise that we were comparing to Batman and Hulk all at once. Without realizing yeah, we, we're... we weren't both doing it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we'll come back to the Emmy Wendy uh, maybe penalty shots in WhatsApp. We just see you there. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. (laughs) 
couple of fine and offences first before we go into <laughs> what's happening. Does John McGinn gave away a corner? I would say unnecessarily. It was a tame cross that was pulled back. Look, I'm not saying he, he should let it go back into the edge of the box, but can he direct it somewhere else? Can he take a touch? Like John McGinn's about 15, 16 yards out. I don't think he needs to concede a corner from that position as a as a little shit cross is dinked towards him. He, can you can you do something else or just boot it out of play in the position that you're facing and you can see it another corner? Honestly, God, I feel like I was watching corner after corner because I was watching corner after corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and people say, people always say, you know, safety first, you know, ask questions later. It's like, hang on a fucking second. There's nothing safe about Aston Villa trying to defend a corner. Yeah, yeah. let Ben Rama have another shot at taking the corner. <laughs> uh, Emmy Martin is only one time. He got, he got 94 minutes into the game without dinking it out of play and he, he did it eventually. He did find Matt Cash's head at one stage and Cash kept it in but lost it obviously. That's what happens when it goes to his head. But um, one time he played it out of play. So that's an improvement. If we can get 94 minutes out of Emmy Martin is without him knocking it out of play. That's, that's grand. And there was one more option to John McGinn's shot. is back by John McGinn. <laughs> <laughs> and the annoying thing about this, I don't know if you remember this, Ramsey oh, and Watkins went down the left. They, they had a break and and then Ramsey doesn't go on past Watkins after he plays it to him early, and Watkins plays it back to Ramsey, who plays it back to Watkins, who plays it back to Ramsey, and and they've just stopped. And I, I, it looks deliberate, so I'm trying to trying to take myself away from the dinosaur mentality of like, just go, just go at them. You know, maybe maybe they're told to reset. Let's think about what they're doing, and then I think. What are they resetting for? <laughs> they're resetting for Ramsey to defer to Moreno, like roll out to him. You like Moreno will have a better chance than you on the left, or they're resetting for Ramsey to play it to his right instead of his left, where John McGinn is, and he's about to toe poke it from thirty-five yards out, <laughs> miles over the bar. That was the reset. I'd rather just our two most dynamic players just go when they've got a they've got a chance to break. Yeah, and like, yeah, you're right, they slowed it down to get set, apparently, to get set for a fucking shit shot from 40 yards out. But it was it was so long as well, it was so delayed. We got back to Tyrone Mings at one stage. <laughs> all the way back. Of course it did. <laughs> First WhatsApp winch. Get Emmy Buendia away from Danny Ings immediately. Yeah, I, I like it's it's I I did talk briefly there about Austin McPhee needing to go back into the change room and tell people like lads at corner kicks you stop holding people. He needs to go back into the fucking bathroom and look himself in the mirror and say, "What the fuck am I thinking? Devising a set piece defensive plan that involves Emmy Buendia defending, man marking somebody." Like, that is absolutely ridiculous. That's, he's just throwing a grenade into your own team there. And we all know Emmy Bundy is not going to fucking jump on it and, t- and take the blast. <laughs> yeah, Emmy Bundy is wound up most of the time, but he was really wound up today from the very moment that he called out, rightly so, Alex Moreno for sleeping when the chance for him to intercept the ball was on. Just He wanted him to push out a bit quicker and he, he didn't do it. And that was the time he punched the ball and started screaming at Moreno. And then he did see him, I think it was during a free kick, Declan Rice was whipping in from the right and when the was batting at Danny Ings' arm. And I thought, okay, he's just trying to show that, you know, we're not we're not teammates today, buddy. But then it just it just carried on. He should, like, should have been a penalty, that one, right? I think for all the grievances we feel for Paqueta, 
It probably did even out the one that he he did throw him to the ground, and then there was a few more where he was trying to throw him to the ground, and he just for the good grace of Danny Ings being the good lad that we hear he is, he didn't go down looking for a penalty. Uh, yeah, but Conan jurisprudence says it's better it's better to ten guilty men go free than one innocent man go to jail. It's not it's not <laughs> stick an innocent man in prison so you can let a guilty one off later. Like even if you feel sorry for the guilty one because he's obviously a few sandwiches short of a fucking picnic. It's daft. It's so fucking daft from Buendia. But I refer you to my earlier unsolicited legal advice, and you'd want to be as fucking bonkers as Emiliano Buendia as well. Take legal advice from me. <laughs> Second WhatsApp winge. Why is Jacob Ramsey at the age of the box happy to roll to Bailey at the corner of the box when we know, we know Bailey is just going to fucking lace it anyway? Like what? Like, so Ramsey knows the shot's coming. If, if I give this to Bailey... He's going to shoot. He's in a worse position than me. He doesn't have as good a shot as me. So why wouldn't Ramsey just decide to shoot or do something else? Just turn the other direction. Yeah, you've got this in your head now. Where because I because I was egged on by you to say that Jacob Ramsey needs to have a spank every once in a while. You're not going to watch an Aston Villa game ever again. Now we both think he should have shot there. <laughs> you're going to see Jacob Ramsey picking the ball up and playing a beautiful free ball to Moreno, and then you're going to introduce a WhatsApp win saying, "Why is he not just spanked it from 45 yards into the far top corner? Continued that at seven years ago. Jacob Ramsey needs to step up." You're a fucking nutcase. He rolled the ball perfectly to Leon Bailey, and then Leon Bailey had an absolutely shit shot. That's what happened there. That's the story there. The story there is, why is Leon Bailey unable to connect with a football fucking once every two matches? Because, <laughs> because he's always... He's always like horizontal with the ground as he's hitting it. It's like his whole body is. I'm trying to mimic it now. He goes 45 degrees with the ground. In fairness to him, it's not. It's not horizontal. His his body like falls back and then he tries hitting it. I don't know what he's doing. It's like some. It's like Emmy Bundy is pulling at him as he's kicking the ball. <laughs> the third WhatsApp winch. So there's been a lot of talk about the. Uh, trying to cut down the time wasting or trying to add on time or trying to bring in the stop clock, whatever, you know, ways of, of, of increasing the time of football. And Colina, I don't know if you've seen it, the legendary referee, is it Pierre-Luigi Colina? Should have looked that up before. I got it right, thankfully. He said, <laughs> just, just picked a stat out of his head and he remembered it. This season, there were only 43 minutes played in Villa v Brentford. <laughs> but I'm watching this game thinking... Does he think anyone wants to see any more of Villa v Brentford? <laughs> Does he think we were deprived of more of more football or like a more joy by not like he wants to increase that time that we spend looking at that game? He wants to get that up to sixty minutes for whose benefit? Like imagine Villa v West Ham today. Imagine there was a stop clock in that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, he picked the stat out of his head, much like you just picked the name out of your head as well, and it happened to be right. <laughs> Like yeah, the first twelve minutes of this game were absolutely ludicrous. Yeah, you wouldn't want you wouldn't want that to be what you were looking at for sixty minutes. Fucking blow it up, ref is what I was thinking after that. <laughs> there was a there was one offence at the end. It's always worth pointing this out, but now that especially that footballers and teams and and different leagues in general are under the microscope now for how long each game is. The, Villa were were pinged for offside. West Ham were pinged for offside in the 95th minute, or the 96th minute, it was 25 seconds into 95 minutes, so 95-25, and 
Villa have the ball. They, they've turned it over. Luca Dean has it. And then the linesman lifts his flag, even though Villa have turned it over. Mm. And we have to go back and take the free. By the time that free's taken, it's 95-50. So we, we was just blown another 25 seconds. And like we, we do hit the free. Bertie T takes it down. And then that loser in the crowd who kept whistling, like he kept blowing the whistle... He does that at 95.55, but then the ref straight away, like, once he does that, this guy in the crowd blows a fake whistle. People sort of stop anyway. And then the ref decides two seconds later, 95.57, yeah, it's over, I'll blow it up. So he doesn't even play the full six minutes himself, but he's also deprived us of 35 seconds, basically, that he's wasted, him and his linesman have wasted on us. Like, that, there's 35 more seconds that we could have added on to Villa v. Brentford. Like, stupid decisions like that. <laughs> And we all know that in 35 seconds with the ball at Bertrand Chirori's feet, literally anything can happen. But yeah, it's really frustrating. That was the second time they did it as well, where a late flag went up and stopped Villa. Not going on a counter-attack because they weren't exactly breaking a pace today. But, you know, stopped Villa being in possession of the ball. And if you're willing if you're willing to play on while Tyrone Mings is running full tilt, 70 yards, back down the pitch at risk of tearing his hamstrings in half because he's trying to stop a goal, then you can fucking play on whenever Villa have won the ball back anyway. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Well, you do... You do refresh something in my mind. It was Tyrone Mings tearing down the pitch in the other direction with the ball, and it's come back up for me. Tyrone Mings, the defensive midfielder. I think I think it could happen. I, th- I think it would work if only we weren't so dependent on him at centre back. But maybe maybe this is where Diego Carlos can come in. You come in there, and if you're as good as Tyrone Mings and as dominant as Tyrone Mings, then we can unleash the Tyrone. Oh, in fairness, we'll just play Bubakar Kamara by that stage, wouldn't we? <laughs> I mean, it sounds ridiculous, yeah. I mean, you, you sound like an absolute idiot as well for suggesting it. But then again, when you think about the fact that Callum Chambers was allowed to play back in there today, it was a bit of crack whenever he did it the last time out, but today he was absolutely dreadful when he came on. And if, if Callum Chambers is allowed to wander around aimlessly there, then why not Tyrone Mings? But the only other thing you'd say is Tyrone Mings' biggest strength isn't exactly playing the ball quickly, is it? No. I, I think... I think I was just feeling frustrated for him. <laughs> this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous, and because I'm being genuine as well, that's why it's ridiculous. But <laughs> he, he came galloping out. He beat a man. He burst through the middle. But because he's centre back, he, he's like, I can't. I can't keep going here. You know, I, can't, I can't do what Ramsey and Watkins refuse to do. So he pumps on the brakes and rolls it out to look at Dean. I think at that stage, and then just sort of backtracks. But I was thinking, if he knew there was a centre half behind him. <laughs> he would go and have that shot that Ramsey would never have. Yeah. <laughs> we'll leave that there. We'll come back. Maybe talk about Bertrand Chirori when we come back. My mind's telling me no. This is what makes Big Bertie T so hard to resist. But my body, my body's telling me. He's like a lovely big sloppy bacon cheeseburger. You know that ultimately he's really bad for you, but my god is he delicious. Big dirty dirty, so hard to resist. So hard to resist. But what do you say about the people here now saying it's time to go on a diet? 
yeah, is it worth it? It might sate my appetite for a while, but I'm only looking worse. My skin's breaking out in spots. My waistline's getting a bit out of control, and overall, it's not the best thing for me. So hard to resist. So hard to resist. It's very enjoyable eating the burger. My God, is he delicious? My God, too hard to resist. Lovely big sloppy bacon cheeseburger. Bertrand Chirori. Bertrand Chirori. A moment on the lips, forever on the hips. <laughs>
Is the fifth defender like is is Mings or Konza ever going to score again? Like, why don't we just get a set piece and somebody sticks a head on it and put it away? <laughs> it never happens. Like, it's just such. It seems like such an easy. And in fairness, I know we've had Douglas Wee score twice from a corner. Like, you know that 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 maybe is something that we should take into account when we're talking about these easy goals. But I just want to see a defender go up and head the ball in sometimes, like a little bonus. Yeah, absolutely. But it it seems it seems to me that. Aston Villa don't score enough from set pieces but I wonder is that just bias because I don't think a lot of goals are actually scored from set pieces based on the amount that the amount that happen is it just frustration and sheer ignorance and moaning whinginess out of us that makes us think that we don't score <laughs> enough goals from set pieces yeah well what you, I think you told me this stat a few years ago where it was one in every 16 corners or something like that that, that go in um, so I'm sure it's down a little bit, but couldn't well, be that much. Douglas Louise needs to fucking increase his output then, because he's definitely had more than 32 shots this season. <laughs> the two walking chances, uh, like they're they're big. Um, both of them are a bit like the, the first one's probably the biggest. I'll, I'll just read them both out before we before we talk about them. But it's the it's a lovely move. It's it's Marino to Ramsey. Ramsey first time into Watkins. Commentary was saying he he doesn't open his body up, which first glance you're thinking yeah he should have just put that across the goalkeeper in fairness there, there's basically a leg on top of his leg so i don't know if he could have opened his body up but he could have smashed it lifted it's keep it away from the keeper some way hit it straight at him maybe a good reaction save and the other one was lovely interplay again and it's ramsey denied another assist i know you'll be heartbroken by this but when when the to ramsey to Watkins, and it's just just hit it you know, Ramsey sort of got his back to goal and he plays it to Watkins' right foot. Hit that ball and again, the replay, there's somebody in your way and he, he tries to work a bit of space. Sometimes, you know I would say this, but sometimes you just have to hit it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the first one you said there, he needs to put it across the keeper. The problem is he fucking does. He just puts it across the wrong way. He puts it back in towards his stomach. <laughs> it's such a bad miss that the, the keeper actually dives past the ball nearly. It's yeah. so fucking dreadful. I think this is worse than Ronnie Rossenthal's canon. I think we might need to we need to rename the award here. I mean, like at least at least Ronnie Rossenthal was twelve yards out. Ollie Watkins is on the fucking line when he hits it. He can't be missing from there. Like that's not that's not what a serious footballer does. I mean, come on. And the the second one, I think the ball is a little bit under his feet, and he takes the decision. Not a great one to take a touch. I don't think he's aware that the that Emerson's coming in at left back. Like I always say, you should be aware where all our footballers are on the pitch. <laughs> uh, then there were two chances. You see, I'm going to make the case that John Duran's second chance w- was probably worse than Watkins's. Oh, what a surprise. Yeah. The, <laughs> the first one, the first one's not really, not, it's somebody's right in his way, like they, they block him, but I think it's just there because Bertie T set him up and I was like, yeah. oh, come on. Please, please put it away. Uh, T. It's a lovely one too, in fairness, with Callum Chambers. Callum Chambers gets it. You know, there's a few balls there. <laughs> people weren't awake. I was like, come on, Amy Bundy, awake it. Like, you know, T's on here. Anything can happen. Like, if, yeah, like, you might not have been running that way, but you better fucking start being alert to see where it, what, what, what Bertie sees that you don't. And <laughs> Callum Chambers does. He gets it. He gets it back into Traore's path. And he, it's a nice ball into Duran takes a touch there's a defender there so that's that's one time where maybe don't hit it like i would say but then straight from that chance and interestingly duran was like frustrated after that chance he was like kicking something 
and then he misses this one and he doesn't seem to show the same frustration <laughs> but the corner the corner comes in from Douglas Louise and saying can we not score an easy goal and he comes right through to Duran and I just don't think he's expecting this but what are you expecting the ball's coming into the box like you have to I get that you're unsighted it comes at you quickly but you know that that's why you're in that position you're waiting for the ball to drop for and it has dropped it's dropped onto your left foot and he just throws his leg out <laughs> he just throws his leg out and it doesn't connect with it at all it does come at him really quickly across a load of bodies, though, and he like yeah, he can't just let the ball roll down his knee and onto his ankle and into the keeper's hands. It's, it's an absolutely, it's an absolutely dreadful finish. Um, there's absolutely no way that it's worse than Ollie Watkins, though. I mean, Ollie Watkins doesn't have a crowd of bodies in him. It's not, it's not knee height when it arrives in him. It's on the ground, and he's made the run for the cross. It's not as bad as Ollie Watkins is. I think John Duran needs to remember as well. He obviously, he might start really wanting to score and he wants to start proving himself and just get off the mark, really. And he's had a couple of chances. And obviously, that one hit the crossbar. It was, it was a special strike against City, but he, he needs to, he just needs to realize it's, it's going to happen. He's only played 65 minutes. He's only like, that's not a lot of game time that he's gotten new to the league, new to the team. He's played. He's made five appearances, but 65 minutes is his sum total, so he really hasn't gotten a, a run at it yet. I think, I think uh, his longest spell was 30 minutes, so you, you can imagine how um, how little he's been playing those other four games as well. So, yeah, it, it's going to happen, but just just relax. Just, you know, Ollie Watkins is there banging them in. We don't, we don't need you. Well, could have done with you today scoring one, but... <laughs> ah, yeah, no, you're right. He isn't, he isn't getting enough time on the pitch to be expecting to rattle in goals, and... I, I, I'm happy to see him frustrated. I mean, the one Bertrand Trorori pulls back to him, I think Duran needs to, and I'm sure he will, focus on the fact that his first touch was brilliant and how quickly he got turned was brilliant. But because those two things were so brilliant, he probably had a bit more time than he thought he did and he didn't need to just spank it. He probably could have been a bit more, a bit more cold and lifted the ball a little bit off the ground. Yeah. And that's probably why he's annoyed. Yeah. It's a shame... It's a shame for old time's sake, Danny Ings didn't give us a nomination, isn't it? <laughs> Danny, Danny Ings might have given us a nomination because you could fairly fucking easily say he was nominated for the Ashley Westwood. The Ashley Westwood. <laughs> <laughs> what was he doing? He didn't, the, I, the only thing I remember Danny Ings doing was, I don't know if you see, saw him gesturing to the crowd to calm down when they were all booing that West Ham weren't pushing up. You could see him sort of just putting his hand down as they were in the process of edging up closely. And <laughs> I assume it was to the crowd because they were really getting on their backs. And it was obviously a deliberate ploy from West Ham. It wasn't like they were being lazy. And he does look most culpable because he's in front of the, <laughs> in the, front of the line. But that, that, that's what I remember him for in this game, putting his hand down, telling everybody to relax. And also putting his hand down, telling the ref that it wasn't a penalty whenever he was clearly hauled to the ground by Emiliano Bundy. <laughs> nice lad. The Peter Enkelman, what the fuck award. Oh, Ezra Konza was trying his best to give away a goal. Oh. He got it away, thankfully. And then I don't know, there was a breakaway from a Douglas Louise corner. West Ham went breaking down the left. And Leon Bailey plowed back. He got, he got back. I've never seen him run as fast in my life. And he's pointing at Matt Cash, who's there. He's pointing back, pointing over Matt Cash's shoulder. Matt Cash looks over his shoulder, and there's no one there. There's no one he can drop. <laughs> there's nobody in Villa's half. Like, I can't fault Bailey for the effort and the urgency. 
but there's no need for it at all really like and then cash sort of caught in between and it was just you know i could have just pushed up there it would have been fine <laughs> that's our leon though i mean this the t- i think it's more of a time to get worried when leon bailey does appear to know what he's doing in a defensive situation because that would be that would be so unusual that something has gone wrong in the universe that leon bailey now understands how to get back into position and defend yeah <laughs> John 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 McGinn just fell on his arse at one stage as Suchek was trying to get the ball under control. It was really weird. He just fell on his arse. He wasn't even running towards him or anything. <laughs> We've seen Douglas Louise do this before. It was not the same position. Maybe that's what happens because Douglas Louise had sort of moved over to the to the left where Kamara. Nah, they wouldn't really play that way. But anyway, uh, <laughs> Alex Moreno probably the winner straight into Danny Ings who can Danny Ings is one involvement really. Moreno plays it to him and Ings just sets it up for Ben Rama to balloon over the bar. I was watching the first half of that game thinking we might as well play fucking Bertrand Trori at left back because this is this is all Alex Moreno is good for. He's he's absolutely brilliant going forward. But like I said last week, he doesn't seem to know. He doesn't seem to know where how to defend at all. It's 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 baffling. His body shapes are all over the place. And whenever Dina came on for Moreno, it was like yeah, it's such an important position for how we play and such a high-intensity one as well. And as well, if you add in all the pointless yards that Moreno was covering because he turns the wrong way around whenever yeah. he's defending, that guy is fucking covering a lot of ground, obviously. It's absolutely <laughs> madness. I, 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 he just doesn't get it. He, he doesn't seem to know where the ball is going to go. It's like he's never seen a team come at the team he's playing for before. And he definitely has because he's been playing for Aston Villa for five or six games. So. Is he worth it? Like this, this is the thing. I, people, and, and there was another game that this happened in where he contributes to the goal, but gives it like directly gives away a goal. And it, I don't think that's enough. I don't think you can say I crossed the ball in and Ollie Watkins headed the ball in. Like it's it's not just that you're giving away a goal or or you're giving away mistakes and you're and you're creating many opportunity for all your goals like that. that affects momentum and confidence and position and yeah it tires you out because you're running the wrong direction all the time or you're you can't get your position and sorted and it affects the flow of a match when a defender is not able to defend that well and i just don't know i I, i'm not convinced at the minute that you can carry somebody who's not that good defensively when it's, it's not like it's jack Grealish, for example when he was at villa it was like, yeah, shit at the fender, but look at look at the output at the other side. Like, it's not going to be replaced. I think what Marino's given us, you know, an assist every so often, uh, creating a chance every so often, I think somebody else can come in. If any other player was there, I think we would still create as many chances in the long run, probably. Ah, yeah. And I want, like, Marino probably costs 14 million because a player that can do both would probably cost 28 million. And Marino can only do one of those things yeah. well. And maybe that's maybe that's what the problem is. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we signed another left back because I don't think Luca Dina has proven himself to be the answer either. I don't think he's dynamic enough for what Emery wants to do. And I just don't think Marino is smart enough to be a Premier League left back. Yeah. Matt Cash was dicking around the middle at one stage as well. Like Ezra Kanza saved him, and Callum Chambers just kept going twice until he overran it. Like just not even that he lost the ball; he just kicked it too far ahead of himself until somebody was standing there to receive it. And yeah, that's the fucking time that he compare him to Declan Rice. Not whenever he goes bounding through the middle like Steven Gerrard last week. Whenever he overruns the ball twice, now you can make your comparisons with Declan Rice and Callum Chambers. <laughs> 
<laughs> I think there's there's stiff competition for Moreno though, and it's Leon Bailey's dink to the goalkeeper. <laughs> what was this? Like Emmy Buendia has just shaken off three people. All the abuse we give Buendia, he's holding the ball and there's so much pressure. He's falling to the ground. He's getting back up. He's having to twist and turn. He's having to hold people off. And he does it. And he gets the ball to Leon Bailey, who's on the right at the corner of the box where he always is. And Buendia goes running in. Watkins is making a move. And I don't know what he does. I don't know. I assumed, I thought, look, here we go. Here's an all shot. And then he got caught in between, obviously crossing and shooting. And he did Thanked the ball to the goalkeeper. It was so strange. It was such a shit pass to play anyway. Even sorry, even if he hadn't played it ten yards to Ollie Watkins is right. It's a terrible <laughs> ball to play a centre forward anyway. I mean, the two defenders up his arse, ball dropping over his shoulder. We all know he misses when he's standing on the line as well. I mean, it was absolutely <laughs> dreadful. Do you remember whenever um, Mourinho went and signed up, plucked that big juicy orange away from Arsenal. Um, Alexis Sanchez, they called it himself. <laughs> Mourinho, add him to the list of people who don't watch. Or sorry, Mourinho, add him to the list of people who don't watch football because this is the type of pass that that Sanchez had been playing for the previous eighteen months. He was just standing on the ball and then just scooping it up into the air to fucking nobody. And that was exactly what Leon Bailey did today. Bonkers, bonkers pass and a shit pass to receive. Anyway. Do you think there was something spectacular about that one? I think the Moreno one really led to a big chance passing straight to Danny Ings at the edge of the box. You can't be doing that when you got the ball at left back. But there was something special about the the Bailey one. Who wins this? I, I think there was one as well where Emmy Martinez just goes running alongside Suchek. I mean, oh. he was chasing him down the street to give him back something he dropped. <laughs> and he, he, he fucking approached him as politely as well. Oh, Suchek, here's your ball back. It was fucking weird. So unlike. Like, Emmy Martinez didn't play in any way like Emmy Martinez today. It was madness. There was that one he tipped over the bar when it was straight at him and he made it look spectacular. He's prone to a bit of that as well. But there's just some instances where he just seemed absolutely bonkers where he's coming flapping for the ball and then running alongside Suchek, tickling his stomach. It was strange, strange stuff from him. <laughs> the Ulick Glenn Whedon take a 90th minute penalty award. Obviously... Kamara's injured and that's that's a blow and it's hard to recover from but I, I don't know I, I don't know if anybody would have done this you know like moving John McGinn back and not even like I know we all have concerns about McGinn playing that far deep I think he can get away with it in this game but you know because we're, we're playing West Ham they weren't going to offer much of a threat he would have space anyway but it does upend the team. We talk about having to make a number of positional changes then rather than just one direct mm. change. But we couldn't make that one direct change because Tim Erugbenen is at QPR and he's doing bits at QPR and we've got him <laughs> on loan and it's great for him and he scored a screamer goal at the weekend and maybe that's why it's a bit more raw for me now as well. Lovely one too, the way he strides over the ground to get on the end of it again. Like He was the natural replacement to come in here for Kamara but he's playing in the championship and we've got a choice to make. Do we play... This is our choice! Do we play Callum Chambers or Leon Bailey? <laughs> Hoy, has it come to this? One loan move all of a sudden. You're asking, do you play Leon Bailey or Callum Chambers in centre midfield? <laughs> Jesus Christ, that is that is stark, isn't it? Yeah. I, I would have played I would have played Callum Chambers today because I think he can get away with it against this this incarnation of this West Ham team. And like you said, it's that thing of of taking two players two players out of your team because we essentially didn't have John McGinn 
John McGinn was our best player for the last two games. And then he just he's just not in the game anywhere near as much. He's not as threatening. He's not as involved in the game. And maybe he's even got something in his head about playing centre midfield as well, where surely he must he must have some negative attachment to playing in that position because he can't have good memories of the last 18 months playing in there. <laughs> and I know when Callum Chambers came on, he was absolutely fucking dreadful. So I probably want to resile from that now. Maybe it is a good idea to play John again. <laughs> <laughs> Only our nomination I have for you, like Glenn Whelan, take a 90th minute penalty award. Well, we already spoke about one of the other nominations was Moreno. Is he really worth it or not? But the other one, Chambers for Watkins, that was a bit of an underwhelming sub, wasn't it? Like that, like, come on. I, I, don't I think, think, yeah, anybody wanted to see it. Emery said something about being too open in the second half, and we were, but did we need to take off Watkins for it? I, I don't know. So I, I think there was, I, I didn't I didn't hear what Emery said, but I think there was a period of the game when we started dominating it, but then he threw on Duran as well, and then that really did upset the balance, and West Ham got back on top. It was definitely not, we weren't too open in the second half, we were too open after he made that change, and then he was just trying to correct it. And it, it, it didn't it didn't work, obviously. Ollie Watkins was all right, he was a right ball, and Callum Chambers wasn't exactly... Wasn't exactly Stephen Gerrard when he came on. <laughs> uh, there was one. It's, it's worth mentioning. I need to work on this name for the for the category. So suggestions are are welcome. But it's the Paul Merson. Oh, that's just filthy award. I want some more current. <laughs> I want some more current than the Paul Merson. Somebody's done a good piece of skill that we can uh, we can bring forward more recently. But Douglas Louise did a fake header. In the middle, of the- <laughs> that was amazing. Like just, just so nonchalant. Like it was, I think it was four hours that went shopping for for a Mars bar. Then it just it was bouncing up like that. That awkward. You never want a ball like that. Imagine we were dropped into that. It looked fine because it's Douglas Louise and for any Premier League player, really, just get it under control and get it away. You have enough space. But the way he just ran alongside the ball and faked the header back to his centre halves and just took it away the other direction. That was just uh, he's just on it at the minute. I'm not sure why you said, imagine we were getting up, but anyway, don't drag me down with you. But uh, I, I actually think the header was the best thing in the game. It was definitely my highlight. Oh, obviously, Ollie Watkins scoring a goal was great as well. But yeah. <laughs> The actual the, the header. Fake, yeah, yeah, the fake header from Douglas Suiz was, uh, was absolutely delicious. It was disgusting. And he got the ball out of his feet fairly quickly as well and moved it on. Uh, he was brilliant. He was brilliant again today. He just is. He just is a brilliant sentiment fielder. And even when he's got John, that's how high his confidence is now. Even when he's got his old, the old double act is back together. The double act that no one wants to pay in to watch. <laughs> he's still absolutely dominating in the middle of the pitch against your hero, Declan Rice. <laughs> what did you think of Declan Rice? I didn't like that, especially because I only saw one replay. And I, I was I was trying to convince myself, was did Buendia actually go over Declan Rice's leg? I didn't like Never like seeing a player going down at someone's face. Maybe if it's a Villa player in the other direction, I always do like it. I'm, trying, I'm just remembering me being delighted at Patrick Bamford being lifted up by Tyrone Mings. But um, when I saw a Villa player strewn, and I think I think when I saw Declan Rice, of all people, over the top of him, I was like, fuck off. <laughs> like, it's hard to say. Like, if, if Emma Uvendia has dived and Declan Rice is absolutely right yeah. to, to be leaning over the top of him and calling him a cunt, but we haven't a fucking clue because for some reason today we just weren't getting any replays. What in the name of God was that about? They just showed us one angle where it just looked like a load of legs and then just went straight past it. 
it was like, it was like it was being directed by somebody who doesn't know how to make an action film. You know, those ones where it's just limbs just flying past the camera. It's like, what's that? Who's getting a hit here? It, it, it might be Emily Bundy. I don't know. I have a clue what happened. Showed us one shit angle and then moved on. And then flat. The, the next angle they showed us was the camera pointing at the fucking VAR monitor in the stadium saying no foul. <laughs> the John Gregory, if I had a gun, I would have shot him. <laughs> Quote of the week. Matt Cash really should be the face of Aston Villa's interviews. He's out doing the, the rounds again. He's, he's out on tour. Like we, we've seen him on the Fozcast. That was brilliant. We've seen him on Sunday. <laughs> We've seen him on the podcast. We've seen him on Soccer AM pinging balls into the top ends three times in a row. And now he, he rocks up with Jimmy Bullard again on Golf Life. It's uh, Tubes and Angels YouTube channel. And so uh, thanks to BPH who sent us on to me. Uh, I was sort of genuine initially. And then I think 20 minutes into watching this, two holes later, I realized I had watched... 20 minutes of four amateur golfers playing around the golf. I said, what am I, what am I watching here? And eventually, they get round, they come to the side and they have a little chat with Matt Cash. And, you know, but for the most part, I'm just watching an hour of golf and it's not even proper golf. Although Matt Cash is brilliant. He plays off four. And Jimmy Bullard, who, you know, he's played a lot of golf rounds with a lot of footballers. He was so impressed. He kept, kept coming back to him after every hole just saying honestly like i've never seen a i've never seen a footballer swing the way you do said it's the best he's ever seen he's so athletic he's so pure he kept saying it was pure he was he seemed genuinely impressed but anyway matt cash finally gets around to talking about football so i've done a lot of work to get this gold to find this gold in this i would say, i won't call it shit because I, I did watch the full thing so in fairness to <laughs> they've got their they, they got their target audience but he, he spoke about you and i Emery, and he said he's He's only been at the club a couple of months and he, he's brought a style that none of us have really done every day. You're learning something. It's crazy, but it's brilliant. And that's when he went on to talk about the two-hour meetings after every game, two hours assessing the game, telling us what we need to learn from. Then he's got his coaches taking different players and doing stuff about their individual positions, telling you exactly about how he wants you to play. Honestly, really good. <laughs> and then... Spoke a bit about how they want him to play, and he, he mentioned the third centre back role. He said under Jared, it was basically a winger. It's it's pretty different now. It's taking a bit of time to adapt, and he said it all depends on who you're playing. <laughs> imagine this. I'm not even citing cash. I mean, imagine having a manager that would do this. Games, there's games he'll want me to go. Sometimes he'll want both of us to go. Sometimes he want the midfielder to drop in. The way, and then I really like this one. He said the way he gets his information across is so clear. It's brilliant. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. Just just another, just just another notch on uh, on you know Emery's belt. It's just always good when you hear a player seem like actually really impressed with a manager. Yeah, and it's great that you seem so impressed about Matty Cash as well, and you want him rolled out for every interview. If he can't look good in conversation in front of Jimmy Bullard, then I'd be <laughs> fucking worried about you. And Jimmy Jimmy Bullard saying, he's, he's, I've never seen a footballer swing the way he does. He's obviously never seen him try to swing in a cross. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case you are wondering, he said Ashley Young is the next best player at Aston Villa outside of, outside of him. He said Mings is all right. Watkins has just started it. So he's, uh, he's got a lot of catching up to do. But uh, the only other nomination I have for the John Gregory, if I had a gun, I would have shot him quote of the week, was you and I, Emery, talking before this game. So we have to remember, before this match, 
Emmy Martinez had five yellow cards in the last ten games for time wasting. And you know, Emery came out and said he's not time wasting, he's taking his time when he <laughs> <laughs> he's taking his time when he has the ball to play. But I don't think it is time wasting. I think he is taking time for the team because maybe in some matches we are struggling defensively and they are attacking and we have to reduce the danger. <laughs> I think you know Emery's just describing time wasting here with <laughs> He's thinking we need to take time to control the game like <laughs> like we planned. <laughs> but I do not think it was time wasting. <laughs> I mean my cash says his information is so clear. This like this is pretty clear. It's time wasting. He just doesn't <laughs> He's just cynically standing on the ball of the ball in his hand, waving up the pitch, <laughs> pretending he's about to kick it, walking to the other side of the box, pretending he's gonna roll it. But I don't think he's time wasting. What I think he's doing is letting the time run by. Unbelievable. All right, let's go to the Vyman meter. Going up. Is anybody his strength going up? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to encourage it, but uh, he, he, his back was definitely stronger today. He was holding a lot of players off. He did. He did shake off those three players. They ran through the middle. I mean, like I said, one of the most, most overrated footballer on the planet, Declan Rice. So that's <laughs> nothing to be particularly proud of. Uh, he did throw Danny Ings to the ground. Um, but maybe Danny Ings is just being polite there as well. Like you know, he was too polite to ask for a penalty. Maybe he was just like, "Oh, this guy really wants me to go to the ground. I'll just drop down as well." It's hard to tell, really. Uh, <laughs> I think Bertrand Trory, or sorry, Emiliano Buendia is one of those players as well. Though at the start of a game, you nearly just fucking take him off after five minutes. When he starts punching a ball to the ground, you know, he's not going to get his head back in gear for this game of football. I mean, whenever somebody says, oh, he's better when he's angry, you want to take that out of his game. You want to take it out of everybody's game. You want yeah. to take anger and emotion out of everybody's game. Nobody plays better when they're running around with a big fucking head and them smashing balls into the ground, whinging at their own players. That doesn't make anybody play better. That's just that's not the type that's not the type of football I want to see Emiliano Buendia play. And he just he didn't see he had his, he didn't have as, he had as much control in his game as he did in his head today. You know, he just he wasn't it wasn't at the level that he's been at the last couple of games and it was fairly disappointing despite despite how slightly stronger he might have seen. <laughs> going up Douglas Louise, we've talked about him. Tyrone Mings have gone up, and I have Bertie T genuinely going up. Uh, obviously, he hasn't played the season until now, but I think he was an upgrade. And again, he's upgrading on Neon Bailey, so you're going to look decent. But yeah, I, th- I, th- <laughs> I thought he was interesting, and he always is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, he gave me some handy work with anyway. I think he was brilliant, Lee Bertrand Terori. I mean, he's just he's, <laughs> he's just he's just Bertrand Terori. He's got the best first touch in world football. He's absolute carnage on the ball. And a bit of advice for the other players: if you think you know what Bertrand Terori wants to do, then you're wrong. So whenever, <laughs> whenever, whenever Emiliano Bundia came short for Bertrand Terori, and Bertrand Terori played that blind ball down the wing. If Emilio Anabudia thought the best pass was to go short, then fucking go long. Because Bertrand Drury's not going to play the best pass. You think he's, Even if it is the best, it might end up being the best pass, but it's not the one you're thinking of. Yeah, yeah. And you they have get to there a different that. way. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And the only the other thing you'd say about him as well, like he looked like he had a few too many birdie tees himself. I mean, 
he looked like he was getting the meat sweats after about two or three minutes. <laughs> but like, you, you have to accept people for who they are as well, Conan. And what Bertrand Rory is, is a fucking loose cannon. So whenever, <laughs> whenever he's on the pitch, expect him to do something brilliant and expect him to do something absolutely crazy, like just roll the ball out of play for a goal kick. <laughs> so, But that's a good point because I... I, I, yeah, I don't know if I want to see him starting. I don't know if we even want him to ever be brought on unless we're chasing a game or we're chasing a result. You know, I, I, I draw him with West Ham. I don't feel great about it. I want to win that match. So it's like, yeah, throw him on. Let's see what happens. I think I think that's the key to enjoying your Bertie T. <laughs> enjoying your Bertie T as much as you can. Like it's, it's You have to be in a certain frame of mind for it. And I was in that frame of mind today. And like he, he's just not afraid. Obviously, he's not, he doesn't care, like, but <laughs> he's happy to just run into the corner of the ball. And I'm not saying that's good, but like for another player, it's not. But but he's always facing out. Like, he, he's never he's never blindly going down. Like, he's never have a concern that he won't get back out of it. Like remember, like we're talking about Watkins and and Ramsey, and like they were afraid to go down that corner and get stuck in there. <laughs> Bertie T will go no matter who because like, he's, he's not playing with anybody else anyway. Like, he's <laughs> and then he'll figure it out. But it's just, it's it's just you're always moving. I feel like with him and like sometimes that's yeah you don't want to be moving with a forty yard cross field ball in the middle of the pitch. But but you are moving at least. Yeah, he's just running around playing with himself, like he said. And, uh, there was one time where he was on the byline and he tried to go down the byline towards the net. It's like, well, you've got nowhere to go. Like You're off the pitch if you try to take it around them that way. I mean, he took a shit first touch and the guy just took it off him anyway. Yeah. But it was just his, what he was trying to do was run the ball in the whatever. How wide would you say those lines are drawn? Probably about three inches. So he was trying to keep the ball and play across three inches of turf. That's just how mental he is. And like I said, if anybody's annoyed about Bertrand Trory, that's on you because you can't be expecting anything else. Because it's not Bertrand Trory's fault that you were expecting a fucking adult professional footballer to come onto the pitch here. Bertrand Trory was coming onto the pitch. <laughs> Going down, Aiden on Twitter says Moreno and Dina making Bowen look like Prime Usain Bolt. <laughs> it is. It's a fair point because I was watching this game, impressed by Bowen, thinking, "Yeah, I didn't actually realize he had that bit of pace about him." And then I was like, "Hang on a second, hang on, like, who is he outpacing here?" And we we know where the problem lay. <laughs> well, one thing you would say about Bowen is he's absolutely brilliant at taking people's space. Yeah. does it so well and he's so aggressive at it you'd think you'd set yourself up defensively to do it I mean Moreno looked like he was constantly trying to show him down the line but Bowen's not going down the line he's, he's coming in and he's taking he's going in between you and the and the centre half because he knows it's unexpected Bowen is a, a player to like I think I mean he, he didn't do much I didn't have as much end product as you would have liked today if, if you were a West Ham fan but He's definitely a player to admire because he's so aggressive when he gets on the ball. In the same way that Bertrand Rory doesn't care about just running into the corner, Jared Bowen is just doesn't care about doing anything else other than just running towards the goals. And he does it so aggressively. And he did it brilliantly today. And you would think as well that maybe he is, maybe he is a bit fast, but I think it is just how good he is at taking people's space because he ran past Jacob Ramsey as well. But it was because all of a sudden, He's just in front of Jacob Ramsey, yeah. and then Jacob Ramsey can't run as fast anymore, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. The, I also have gone down to, on the other side for West Ham. It, it, well, like, that, that was a danger for Villa. But I have Matt Cash going down because 
Matt Cash is doing the rounds before the World Cup. He's on the Fozcast. He's talking about wanting to mark the best players in the world at the World Cup. He's talking about wanting to get Messi's shirt. And then after the World Cup, he's on Golf Life Channel and he's talking about marking Messi and he's talking about marking Mbappe. And, you know, Ben Rama has him on toast today. And (laughs) the only player I've really seen Matt Cash struggle for 90 minutes with was Phil Foden. And it's Phil Foden. Like, I don't want to see Ben Rama make him look this shit. <laughs> he looked like he didn't. And he was always cutting in on his right to have a shot. It wasn't a big surprise. Like, But he, he seemed to get done by it every time. Yeah, and this is the, this is the other side of it. I don't think Matt Cash can quite do this role. He doesn't, he doesn't know how tight to get whenever he's supposed to be playing in this quasi-centre-backs, right-back position. Like, yeah. he, he doesn't... He's not aggressive enough. He's standing off people far too much because he knows he's kind of in the middle of the fence as well. So he's letting them pick the ball up in the wing instead of just being up their fucking arse and putting yeah. them over the line like he normally would. It's a couple of, like Ben Ramick stood him up a couple of times, and that's that's not how Matt Cash marks wingers. Like he, he doesn't do that. And he was in the box a lot as well, so he couldn't go crunching in as often as you'd like him to do. Ordinarily, you would say he was also playing with Leon Bailey and Bertrand Trory, so you have to cut him some fucking slack. But Matt Cash has been left on his own his whole career at Aston Villa because it's either been Bertrand Trory or Leon Bailey right the right wing. I did think of Matt Cash today when Bertrand Trory came back on. I was like, he thought he was free of Bertrand Trory. <laughs> um, yeah. All right, we'll leave that there. Let's go to questions we can't answer, but probably will. Who do you think Match of the Day actually could have gotten to do the show on Saturday? <laughs> <laughs> so if we step out of the argument for a second, you know, and if I just put my producer hat on, I'm trying to put a show together here. Who could we have actually gotten if we still needed, you know, if we really wanted to get this show to go ahead no matter what? So I was trying to have a think because obviously so many people pulled out. Like the Jermaine Genius one really threw a spanner in the works because I was thinking like it's going to be hard for people who work for the BBC full time. Like what? It's a hard one to say, look, I'm not doing it. And then it's like, you have to go back in their work the next day and and still be there with them. And Genus had been very quiet. And I was like, oh, he's definitely going to rock up. And then he put, <laughs> he put a tweet out saying he was he was on the one show. So he's only getting to say he's not going on now. And I, I, I went into the timestamp of the tweet and stuff like a loser. But it was before 8 p.m. And my research tells me the one show is over around 7. So it does check out, in fairness to him. So that, that delay in his tweet, I, I'll forgive. But... I think presenter-wise, it's pretty easy, right? Jake Humphrey will come in. He'll definitely do it. Um, <laughs> and he'll make a virtue out of doing it as well. He wants to bring football to the people. And, like, you know, on the Jake Humphrey, uh, I suppose, vibe, really. Like, Eddie Howe would have been a perfect... Eddie, I'm just a football manager. Howe would have been a perfect pundit. But, obviously, he's got a game the next day. So, he's not going to come in for the Saturday. But then you're starting to get creative. You're like, okay, what, what, what football people actually would come in to do it? And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, yeah, of course, John Terry will do it. <laughs> but David Badil of Badil and Skinner, he <laughs> put out a tweet just innocently making a little joke, said, I wonder if somewhere, I don't, I don't even think this was about John Terry specifically. It was just about the shit show that was happening. I wonder if somewhere John Terry is practicing using autocue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> John Terry latches onto it, doesn't like it, not one to sit by, and he replies and says, "Don't use my name for a cheap laugh on social media with a clown emoji." 
doesn't deny that he would do it. He just I says, hope, I hope John Terry doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, right now. Well, that was all the replies to John Terry. That it was like, that. that's all your names used for, mate. But um, then like, you've got like Sam Allardyce would probably do it. But then I was thinking, Martin O'Neill really does not like people telling him what he can and can't do. <laughs> so he would, I think he, he he would be one person that I would be going after if I was a producer, thinking like he he would he wouldn't like a, a groundswell of people saying don't go on to that show, and that would sort of encourage him to go on that show. Um, Gabby Agbonahor is maybe an obvious one. Gabby Agbonahor, I don't know why he ended up dipping into some research here. And Gabby Agbonahor played twenty times for Villa when Villa got relegated. Like that's that's in all competitions. That's across two seasons. Villa had gotten relegated. He was he was twenty nine at the start of that first season, and he played he played twenty matches for the next two seasons. He was twenty nine stone by the end of the season. <laughs> uh, but again, like Bone the Horse, probably the obvious one. All talks like talk sports seem to be leaning into this. They had bloody billboards up then trying to get Alan Brazil in to present it and stuff. Um, Stephen Ireland, I thought of Stephen Ireland, like he's spaced out enough that he might just come on. <laughs> But how do you even get in touch with Stephen Ireland? Like the last I heard of him, I think it was an article in the Athletic, and he was saying he hasn't retired because nobody signed him, and <laughs> and he was saying he still plays five aside with some United players, and he's better than Fred <laughs> at five aside. But also, uh, you know, great. I don't think that's a great advertisement for yourself. I'm better than Fred. Um, so after all this sort of to and fro and humming and hand, ruling people out, bringing people back in, it's just like, just go get Danny drink water. <laughs> Just, just, just need his, just need his stock just up a little bit. Bring him in. Yeah, I see you put the last day of your holiday to good use anyway. <laughs> and I, I, honestly, I did. I, I was start. I was getting into the weeds too much. <laughs> you know what people were coming across were really like thought provoking, like thoughts on this whole match of the day scenario. And then I was there thinking, I can't have Stephen Ireland because then I'll have O'Neill and Ireland. <laughs> And it looks like a cop out to have two non-English people in there. I need to get an English presence in here. <laughs> That's why I went with Drinkwater. <laughs> what, what they could have done, of course, is just hire billionaire workaholic Jim Begman. Oh, yes! Do yes. <laughs> all the matches simultaneously. <laughs> all the commentary, yeah, yeah. that's right. I, I, know that, I, know that, I know that I definitely flick, flicked through two or three games that were on at the same time because I didn't know which one to watch or which one was going to be better. And every time I landed on a new channel, Jim Begman was just believing <laughs> disbelieving me telling me that the left back needs to do better there and he should know he's been in that position a few times himself <laughs> don't, don't get me wrong i don't think it would have been easy and like you know i think there were there were three three or four three o'clock kickoffs yesterday but jim doesn't shy away from a challenge Colin, and certainly has never turned down work before anyway and be, because he's got such a monopoly and such a healthy bank balance he could he could probably fund the cloning program as well not that he needs the fucking help to be honest but i remember before you, you've set the you set the bar for pundits at the, I think you called it the the Kirkland Guillotine, whereby <laughs> you can't you can't be both as shit a footballer as Chris Kirkland and as moribund a human as Chris Kirkland. Yeah, just and a, what's the point of having? I'm not tuning in for Chris Kirkland. Yeah, and and in reality, given how how many footballers and retired footballers there are, you should really be able to get a good footballer who doesn't appear to be at the point of death. Or likely to induce a coma in the viewers at home either. <laughs> the, po- the point I'm trying to make is the BBC could have applied the Kirkland guillotine and just have a look at the basket to see whose heads they've chopped off because 
there are plenty of footballers who don't make the cut and must know that they won't get a job in real life. I mean, who must know that the only way to get a job and must have been praying for it as well was if there was a strike or a boycott of some fashion or even some sort of virus that just took out every other animate or every animate football pundit around because you can't kill the living dead like Chris Kirkland. So he was going to be the only one knocking around left. So he's the obvious answer. So you're going, I suppose we're going for a threefold then. We've got Kirkland, Drinkwater and Martin O'Neill and Jake Humphrey leading the show. I'm doing Beglin on comms. <laughs> Perfect. We started it out. Give us a call. We'll be on it next time. Um, Bears in into talk sport territory now, just trying to campaign for ourselves there. But thanks a million for listening. Actually, the only other thing I had to mention, and it's really something we're celebrating, because I know today wasn't always that enjoyable to sit through and watch, but imagine Villa didn't change manager halfway through the season. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not even hating on Gerrard. I'm just looking at the bottom nine of the Premier League and just thank the Lord that we are in this nothingness of 11th place. You know, we're never going to make the top 10 ever again, but we're never going to be in that bottom... What's, what's, the, what's the rest of it? Bottom 12? Bottom, 12. <laughs> bottom nine, I've just said it. We're never, we're never going to be in that bottom nine. There's five points between last place and 12th place. And thankfully, we're well out of that. But if we didn't change manager, if we didn't have... Results man, you and I coming in and just picking up results left, right, and center. We would be right in the mix, and I would not be feeling confident right now. There was never a chance that Stephen Gerrard was going to survive this long. <laughs> I mean, the, the most remarkable thing about Stephen Gerrard's life is that he survived the summer. Like he, he won six of his last twenty games, and five of them were against teams that were in the bottom six. Yeah, like he, like he won the league undefeated, stopped a ten in a row. He's young, and his last two managers were Klopp and Rodgers. We couldn't have possibly known that his biggest managerial influence was the half a season he had under Roy Hodgson. But it turns out it was, and that became very fucking obvious very fucking quickly. In what world would Steven Gerrard be a Premier League manager for fucking 16 months? Can you imagine, right, somebody's tuned into this episode and the start of it, they heard us just slagging Man City's fans. And it's like, Jesus. <laughs> I've heard all this before, so we skip on, skip on a few minutes, and they get on to the end. And it's Stephen Gerrard. He won. <laughs> he won in Scotland. He's, he's won six games against teams that weren't promoted. It's like, oh my god, how are we? Are we still talking about the same stuff all this time later? So just enjoy it. That's all I'm saying. Just enjoy the fact that we're not talking about it, even though. <laughs> yeah. We'll see you soon. All the best with your week. See you later. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 